0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever time it is in the world. Welcome to the I Old People podcast. Today is December 31st, 2019. It is the last day of the year. A happy new year to everybody listening. We are going to be ending the decade. We are going to be entering into the 2020s. 2020 should be a great year it should have great hindsight and i'm sure that joke will be overused well well before we even get into the second week of january i'm really excited about today's show the icy old people podcast is trying to bring interesting interviews to you so that you can have a better understanding of the silent generation, older people, the type of people that have influenced me in my life, the type of important people whose voices we are hearing less and less of. So today we have one of those members of the silent generation Mr. George Pond, and I'm really, really excited for you to share the interview with you. Uh, you're going to really like uh, talking to George. Uh, we interviewed him a couple weeks ago here in Storage Closet Studios, and uh, just a wonderful gentleman. We'll add a picture on our website and on our page. Uh, you're going to really enjoy uh, this gentleman's story. One of the things that I also uh, have to take note of is uh, I did an interview that was very successful last week with Art Hayward, a 94-year-old veteran, just an awesome gentleman, and one of the pieces of feedback that I received from that interview was that I talked just a little too long before I actually got to the interview. Uh, The fellow uh, who gave me the advice, Earl Hartland. Um, Earl, I really appreciate it. You thought that maybe I would be upset with that advice. I really appreciate it that you gave me that advice. Your history in broadcasting, uh, your experience, uh, your um, life as a senior, 10 years longer than I, um, certainly is telling me that I maybe need to listen to you, and I do. So I switched it around. And so today we're going to start the interview with George uh, Pond very, very soon. Uh, We're going to get right to it. It's uh, not that long. It's only about 20 minutes long. And then at the end, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of the things that George talks about in the interview. And I have a feeling that one of the things that you know I will be talking about you will as soon as you hear it in the interview you'll know that we're going to talk a little bit about that at the end so it's just one of those things that i don't want to present it now and i don't want to be too long-winded before we start the interview we'll get right to it i know a lot of you are here to listen to george uh, not to listen to me but you can listen to me a little bit at the end of the interview Uh, once again earl i want to thank you for that advice I'm going to try to keep it tight up front here, uh, but I do definitely want to wish everyone a happy New Year. Uh, it's a very strange time of year around here in southern Ontario. I've got to tell you, it was 10 degrees Celsius uh, yesterday, and now it's three degrees, and looks like it's going to storm out soon. So you just never know what's going to hit you down here in southern Ontario. But the fact is that you know. We have, we've been living in a wonderful, peaceful world for a year now. Everything is, seems to be calm in the world. I'm just so thrilled. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious about the new year, what's to follow, what's to follow for Norfolk County, what's to follow for Ontario, what's to follow for Canada, what's to follow for the world. So I am optimistic everyone should be optimistic. It's a fresh start. It's a new decade, 2020. But before we talk about anything else, I want to get to my interview with Mr. George Pond, a member of the Silent Generation, a community builder, a bird watcher, and a a long-time lion. And we're going to talk about all three of those things in the interview. So please enjoy Mr. George Pond. Okay, well, I'm really happy to have George Pond here in our little storage closet studio here today for the I Old People podcast. Uh, George, welcome. Thanks, Bruce. Okay, so first off, because we uh, we are our show is called I See Old People, I have to make sure that you qualify. I want to make sure uh, I want to know how old you are. Well, I think I qualify. <laughs> all right, I'm 85 now. 85. So, what year was you, were you born then? 1934. four. Thirty four. Yes, yeah, so I've got my chart out here. I always like to refer to my chart of generational differences. So that puts you in what they call the silent generation. Oh, the silent, wow. Yeah, or the veteran's generation, moral authority, the forgotten generation. Because the, the generation before they fought in the First World War, they call that the greatest generation. Then you guys are the silent generation, and of course, I'm the baby boomer. (laughs) Oh, Right, I'm a baby boomer. But uh, yeah, so they they call you the silent generation. Uh, Traditionalist is another name. Um, You know, you kind of respect authority, and you're used to that type of thing. It seems to be the the main attribute of that group. So you were born here in Simcoe, Ontario? I've lived in Simcoe all my life,
1: except when I was away to university.
0: Okay. Uh, Did you have other generations before you that lived here? Uh, Well, actually, my
1: dad was born in in the Selkirk area, not far from Selkirk or Nanticoke. My mother was born uh, Teeterville area, so they both came from this area, but there weren't many ponds until my dad's generation came here, Okay. and then his whole family came here eventually, and he had six brothers.
0: Okay. Uh, where did they come from?
1: They all came from uh, the Nanticoke area. No, I mean, uh, like before? Uh, oh, from, uh, my dad's family goes
0: back to England and... England. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I know that. I was. Wha- I was thinking you might have been an Empire loyalist coming up from the Virginia area. Your family.
1: My mother's. Uh, my mother claims that she was an Empire loyalist, and they can prove that with her, with her parents' uh, brother and sister, but they can't prove it for my grandfather. So. Mm-hmm you're not a true
0: empire. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Okay, so you, you've lived here for a number of generations. You were born and raised here. Uh, I, I, I went and took a look at your bio, and I, I thought it was just so many different interesting things that you have done. Uh, and one of the things that uh, is, was your book that you wrote back in the late 70s, Milestone and Memories, what, what, what came about? Why did you decide to write a book about the history of Simcoe? Apparently it is the... Um, Most popular history book on Simcoe that has ever been published.
1: Well, that sounds good. (laughs) I was never really interested in history until, uh, I guess, until I got through university. And even in university, I took uh, the history of England and went to two classes (laughs) the whole year. And uh, for some reason, I was able to pass the course. But... When I came back to Simcoe, I got involved with the Norfolk Historical Society and that's really where my interest in the history of Simcoe began. Okay. I guess it goes back to stamp collecting too because I got interested in uh, uh, postcards and the postal history of
0: Simcoe. Okay at that time as well or is that something that came later
1: no photography goes back to my dad my dad liked photography so I got interested in photography Uh, another guy and I uh, at high school we'd take pictures of people at high school and then we'd blow them up and get big pictures made and sell them we didn't make any money but we had a lot of fun (laughs) Did you have your own dark room that you used? I had a little dark room. Uh, it was actually my dad's, but uh, okay. we used
0: it. And so, so photography your whole life then? <laughs> photography pretty well my whole life. yeah. I remember one of the first things when I first came to Simcoe in 1989. You used to do a you would do a slideshow uh, down at the restaurant at the Blue Elephant, where you were talking about trips and travel. Uh, yeah, I
1: did a lot of slide shows. That was my real love was putting, putting together slide presentations. I'd get, I'd write a script. Uh, usually nature shows or travelogues, and I'd write a script. My mother would always uh, double check it because I wasn't a very good writer, and uh, my son would put together. A, a, a tape that would run the two projectors, and uh, we'd dissolve the pictures into each other, and uh, they became quite popular, and I was out a lot with nature shows and travelogues. That's great.
0: You know, you that was a pre, uh, predecessor of, uh, like, PowerPoint today. You could put together a slide program like that, but that would have been a lot of work the way you did it. Yeah. Two projectors going, and yeah. so. Okay, uh, one of my other memories of you is that you were very, very involved with the Simcoe Lions Club for Yeah, many
1: years. I joined the Lions Club in early 1960s and have been a member ever since. I've gone through all the chairs. To me, lionism and rotary and kinsmen, service clubs, to me, is the way to go if you want to volunteer and give back to your community, a community that's been good to me, why can't I help the
0: community? Yeah, There seems to be less and less uh, participation in groups like the Lions Club and Rotary uh, by younger people. They don't seem to be taking up that challenge. I think that's a way of life today. Young people are
1: very involved with their uh, with their kids. When my kids grew up or when I grew up, we were free to wander around the community on our own. There wasn't the fear that There is today. Today, parents are so involved with their kids, uh, taking them to hockey games and that type of thing, that there just isn't time for the young people. And that's too bad. It's a real shame.
0: Yeah, everybody seems to be really, really tight for time, constantly. Yeah, that's a real problem. So I moved to Simcoe in 1986, and one of the biggest controversies that happened after that when I had moved here was the uh, Simcoe Lions minstrel show, when it made national headlines. And I still remember going to it and enjoying it and never thinking twice about it. But then, of course, uh, in 1989, I believe, I, I could be wrong on the right date. It was right around that It was time. right around then that kind of the national press got a, Got a hold of it, and, and and not only Simcoe had a minstrel show, but the Fisherville Lions had a minstrel show, and other groups. It wasn't an uncommon thing, but I still I, I remember you in blackface, and uh, just like our our fine prime minister, <laughs> it was quite the sight to see. And uh, how many years did you do that show? Well, I uh, that show I did it the first
1: year I was in Lions, which was sixty-two or sixty-three. And I'm still in the show. It's, a, it's not a blackface show now, but uh, yeah. it's still the same basic show.
0: Yeah, I've seen both. variety show, yeah. I've seen both versions. And yeah, the variety show is an awesome format. And yeah, the, the minstrel idea was just, it was gone, it was done. We yeah. were upset at the time, and we didn't
1: think that we were doing anything uh, wrong at that time. And uh, I still don't. No. But... Uh, I'm glad that we did
0: change. Yeah, it was just because it was common. and it doesn't mean it was yeah. right. And then, you know, we all have moved on from Times it. Times change yeah. and the way we look at things change. Absolutely. Yeah. At that time, there were two big national stories going on. One was that minstrel show and the other was the Hagersville Tire Fire. That's <laughs> where we were making national headlines right. at the time. <laughs> so something that you're also well recognized for in the community is the Norfolk uh, Sport Norfolk County Sports Hall of Recognition, the, the Sports Hall of Fame. I kind of call it for short uh, you, and, and it, apparently most of the pictures have been taken by you or a lot of the pictures uh, uh, you were the main for, photographer and curator for that, are you still involved with the sports? Well, I'm still or?
1: involved actually I, didn't, I took very few pictures Art Martin was our professional and he really was a professional photography but I did collect uh, hundreds and hundreds of photographs from days gone by of Teams and sports events that took place. So I had built up a, a really great historical collection of pictures, they weren't my photographs.
0: Right, you didn't take them, but you had collected them right. and you had them available, yeah. I uh, my, my grandchildren swim over at the rec center and I always enjoy walking through and looking at all the pictures, reading the small uh, bios on the different athletes. Uh, I guess it's the 25th we just, anniversary. just had the oh, 25th had anniversary sunday yeah very good very good yeah and i see you've been noted as a citizen of the year in 1989 and uh, I really want to talk a little bit about your birding career, okay? Because that's really how I know you the most. Through birding, Through yeah. the Bailey Bird. Is it Bally or Bailey? Bailey. Bailey, the Bailey Birdathon, which I, I, I've been happy to support you for all these years with a small check. And uh, I see that you have the record as a, uh, um, a fundraiser. Uh, no, not as a fundraiser, uh, uh, for the number, the largest bird tally. The largest? No, I think it's probably the most money collected. Okay. I, I haven't seen the most birds. Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. You haven't seen the most birds, but they're, they're, they they number in the hundreds. what, two, three hundred? You see each time you go up? Yeah, we we can usually get. No, we can
1: usually get. If we get hundred and fifty, we think we've done really
0: well. Okay. All right.
1: hundred and fifty um, birds in a day in this area is super good. But there have been people that have gone out and seen as much as uh, 190, 195. If you see uh, 300 species of birds in Ontario in a year, you're kind of in the elite. Okay. I've never seen 300, but I have seen in the 290s, so oh, that's excellent. I've done
0: not too bad. Could you tell me a little bit about how that uh, the Bailey Birdathon works? Like, is it a competition or it's?
1: No, it's not a competition at all. It's simply a way of raising money. It's it's not unlike a, a walkathon. Or uh, people originally people who were sponsoring a lot of the birders by uh, some much money per bird that they saw. (laughs) And so if you saw 100 birds, why, and they sponsored you for 10 cents a bird, you'd make $10. Um, The money all goes to Bird Studies Canada, and then it's divided by Bird Studies Canada through uh, various nature clubs throughout Ontario, depending on if that particular birder was sponsored by a nature club. Um or the uh, the Bailey fund, which the Birdathon was originally named after uh the Bailey fund doles out money uh for various things like uh bird observatories where they need nets or they need something to their buildings uh or to students perhaps that are studying ornithology they might be doing their uh, masters on something way up in northern Canada and they don't have the funds to get up there so the Bailey Fund uh, might give them a bursary or some help there. At what point in your life did you get involved in birding? I got involved in the 1970s I was always interested in nature and uh, but never so much with birds because I didn't have the photographic uh, equipment to uh, okay. photograph birds. Okay. But when I got bigger lenses and I was able to photograph birds, I started to find out that there were a heck of a lot more birds than I ever <laughs> knew that there were. And I volunteered my uh, some of my time with the Long Point Bird Observatory. Okay and that way i was able to learn the birds much quicker and since about 1978 i've been i've been a pretty avid birder
0: and you still bird today i still bird today that's wonderful it's nice to hear about a a hobby that's so so fulfilling and yet you can still continue to do it uh, to this day Um, so just for our listeners, uh, tr- could you explain why Long Point is such a kind of a hotbed for birding?
1: It's more Long Point and Rondo, Rondo Provincial Park and Point Peely, they all push out into the middle of Lake Erie. Uh, birds, migrating birds when they're flying, don't particularly like to go over water. But they have to go over water so uh, the, the, they try to pick the narrowest channel and there are a number of bird routes in Canada where the, the birds over the thousands of years have learned the, the best way to,
0: to move up okay. through migration. So it's just, over time, these have become kind of well-known spots, and the fact that they kind of shoot out into the water makes them more accessible. That's right. Okay. So when you're a birder, what if you see a beautiful butterfly? Can you take a look at that, too? Can you take a picture of that? Well, I do, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, because I love butterflies nearly as
1: much as as birds. Uh, I just like nature, and I like photography, and I like trying to capture something, and... uh, and then sharing whatever the image
0: is with others. I, I remember way back when the internet had first started and I had just moved over to um, to uh, the west side of town and I saw a hawk and I took a picture of it and I couldn't recognize it. And I remember bringing it to you and you told me that's a red-tailed hawk. Okay, so so now go. I can recognize red-tailed <laughs> hawks anywhere and everywhere. And they're all over the place. And i had once asked you, and this was back in the 90s as well, about the uh, red, the red um, emblem or the red kind of um, sash on the blackbirds around here because uh, I'd never seen that before. Yeah. In, with the blackbirds. I grew up in Northern Ontario, so I had never seen these uh, blackbirds with these red, uh, oh what, yeah, what type yeah. of bird are those? Those are red-winged blackbirds. Red-winged blackbirds, which are fairly common around here. They're pretty, they're very, very common. Yeah, yeah, and that was a bird i had (coughs) never seen before. I thought I really discovered something interesting, but it was a pretty common bird. (laughs) Yeah, well. So this kind of segues nicely into this uh, beautiful photographic book that you brought in for me here today. I know our, our listeners can't see it, but it is full of full color. Uh, photographs. Now, are, did you take all of the photographs in this book? I took all the ones all in that book. All of them. Wow. These are wonderful. So a, a nice picture of the, of the bird, uh, what their name is, and then a little explanation and where the picture was taken. Well, this is just a great book. I'll take a picture of this and put it on the website so people can see it if they're uh, interested, or, or the cover at least. It's called Waterfowl Waders and Other Wetland Birds. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much oh, for bringing that in. You're very welcome. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you coming in and talking to me. I'm trying to capture some of the essence of Norfolk County. What made this county such a great county? And I think it's people like you that that helped that to happen. So any advice, anything you want to throw out there to uh, to the world? No, I mm-hmm. just think if
1: you're an old guy like me, why uh, try and get out and enjoy nature, okay. try and do, give back to your community. And I think you're doing a great thing here by sharing some of the people in the area
0: yeah oh, that's fantastic well yeah. thank you thank you so much for coming in i really really appreciate it okay bruce so. well thank you so much george that was uh, wonderful to uh talk to you and to share some of the information that you have shared with me and that i could get it out to a larger audience i want to talk to so many people from the silent generation if you could send me an email tell me your story let me know what you want to share i can bring that story to life i can i can interview you i can put you on the air we can make this podcast a memory project like i always envisioned it to be So I'm sure one of the things that you wanted to talk about after the interview was the incident with the minstrel. Time, like he said, he started in that minstrel show in 1962. They were very, very common. Fisherville Lions had a a minstrel show. Um, Jarvis Lions had a minstrel show. The Simcoe Lions had a minstrel show. So it was actually, the actual year was 1992, where uh, it became a national headline. Al Jolson, a play called Al Jolson, played at the Royal Alex in Toronto in 1990. And that was kind of shut down because of the racial overtones of Al Jolson being uh, done in blackface. And so two years later in 1992, uh, somebody from the national press caught wind of the um, minstrel show, the Lions minstrel show, Very successful fundraiser, made money for the community every year from 1962 to 1992, and then in 1992 they shut it down. And for good reason, just like George and I were talking about in the interview, times were changing, it wasn't acceptable anymore. Uh, Certainly to do it in a public forum like that, it was not right, it's still not right today course we both had a little laugh about our uh, present prime minister right now with his experiences in blackface but that was that was rich frat boy kind of stuff whereas the minstrel show was an organized show they were a common form of entertainment but you know so were freak shows at one time they were a common form of entertainment society changes culture changes society moves on So I moved to this little hamlet of Simcoe in 1986 and I really had no idea where it was. I had never been south of the 401. I had done some time up in Guelph. I had done my education in Toronto and then I found little Simcoe, Ontario. and We moved here in 1986 for the first few years, uh, really, there wasn't much to it, and then within a very short period of time, two big incidents occurred that we, we made national headlines. And one was in 1990, and that was the 17-day Hagersville uh, tire fire. The Hagersville tire fire is just was just a few miles. You could see the smoke from my house, uh, just like Sarah Palin could see Alaska or could see Russia from her house. I could see the smoke from my house, and for 17 days they tried to put out that tire fire. That was in 1990. Uh, That tire fire is still parodied on the Simpsons uh, television show, uh, the Simpsons cartoon on television, and the Springfield has this tire fire that's been going on for for years and years and years. Well, the Hagersville uh, tire fire only lasted 17 days, but it seemed a lot longer because every day you expected it to be out, and every day it kept burning. And then in 1992, just two years later, we made national headlines again with the Simcoe Lions minstrel show. And, uh, and now it's become the Simcoe Lions variety show. It still makes a ton of money for the community. It helps blind people all over the world. So Ly- Lion, uh, in Lions International is one of the greatest men's uh, organizations and the Lioness with them as well. Those two groups together have helped people throughout the world. Uh, so yeah, a lot was happening in uh, not much was happening in our sleepy little town And then we made these uh, we made these headlines a couple of years in a row uh, What else is happening? My surgery was delayed. I was supposed to have my umbilical hernia surgery on um, December 21st it got moved to January 22nd So I'm gonna I'm going to talk about that as we get a little closer to that and uh, what that whole experience is like well, what else was good? Christmas was good. Christmas was fun. There was no fighting in my house until uh, December 27th, so that was excellent. That was a new record, and uh, and even that, I, I say it in jest because, uh, really, it was really a nice har- harmony-filled uh, holiday. I enjoyed it very, very much. It was a lot of fun. So it's time to jump on the bad ban- bandwagon, if I can learn to talk. Maybe I should take a sip of water here. I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. The NFL playoffs are going to start uh, next week, and I am very, very excited to support the Great Lakes teams. I grew up in Thunder Bay. I lived in Toronto. I live, in, I live on Lake Erie now, and I support all the Great Lakes teams. So we, we're going for Buffalo all the way. Buffalo, Rust Belt City, doing really well. It's in the playoffs. The other team to make the playoffs, the other uh, Great Lakes team, Green Bay, Good luck Green Bay, I hope you do really, really well. And then honorary Great Lakes member, Minnesota Vikings, because I wanted to have at least three from the Great Lakes area. Now, although Minneapolis is actually 350 miles from the Great Lakes, I consider it a Great Lake city, uh, just because that 350 miles is pretty much frozen tundra. So it's almost like one long beach from Minneapolis right to the Great Lakes. So go I want to go 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 for those teams go Buffalo go Minnesota go Green Bay We're gonna have a lot of fun with that watching a bit of the playoffs. I'm a real bandwagon guy You know, I didn't watch uh, a single basketball game all last year and then the Raptors of course made the playoffs I ended up watching about 12 playoff games 12 basketball playoff games. So that was just phenomenal and uh, really got into the sport so there's good reason sometimes to jump on the bandwagon I remember a few years ago when the Toronto FC the the football club or or their soccer team their professional soccer team was doing really really well you start following soccer start watching some soccer so it was a lots of fun so I don't mind being a bandwagon jumper so yeah we're gonna wrap it up for today we're gonna we're in our longest nights of the year down here in southern Ontario i did have sm- some small solace in that though this morning i was looking at my phone and uh, i was looking at the sunrise and the sunrise in Simcoe was at seven fifty this morning 7 a.m 7 10 to 8 and then i looked at the thunder bay app and the sunrise in thunder bay was at 8 one full hour later So I always talk about Thunder Bay as these beautiful, long evenings in the summertime. Like it's light until 11 o'clock, 11.30 at night. It's beautiful in the evenings in Thunder Bay in July and August. The nights are endless. But I forgot how dark the mornings were. I forgot going to school and it was still dark. Yeah, so, you know, there's always good, bad, yin, yang, good and bad. Well, I hope you enjoyed this, uh, episode. I had a lot of fun making it. I had a lot of fun interviewing George Pond and I hope you tune in for future episodes. Please hit subscribe, hit like, send me an email. Uh, oh, since I talked to you last, I have set up a Facebook page. There's a Facebook page. Come and visit me on Facebook. Give me some ideas for the show. We're going to be here every week. I'm going to see you next Tuesday. Remember, this is the I see old people podcast. December 31st, 2019. Thanks for joining me, and we will see you next week in 2020. Thank you.